Welcome to Wine with HR. I'm Jules. Hey there, I'm Trish. Lawyers turned HR professionals. Through our company, Monarch Endeavors, we guide employers through their oh shit moments with their employees. In this podcast, we will discuss some of the most common (laughs) and commonly frustrating HR problems while enjoying our favorite adult beverage, wine. So sit back, grab a glass if you choose, and join us as we think about and drink about all things HR. Welcome to episode seven of Wine with HR. Today, we are thinking about and drinking about one of my favorite topics, performance management in the workplace. Or should I say performance mismanagement? Mismanagement for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Performance reviews. Everybody hates them. Everybody. Managers hate to do them. Employees hate to get them. And HR hates to bug everybody to get them done. (laughs) Truth. uh, (laughs) And we usually only do it once a year, probably for all of those reasons. But We're going to talk today about why annual reviews are probably not the best way to handle performance management. And uh, we'll, of course, go through some uh, other options that might work a little bit better. I think that's the part I'm most excited about today, Jules, is giving everyone alternatives to that annual review and providing them with some great takeaways that they can actually use immediately. Before that, though, let's get to the W-I-N-E. Jules? Today, I'm drinking one of my faves, uh, Abstract from Orrin Swift. As you know, Trish, Orrin Swift is one of my favorite wineries. (laughs) They they make a lot of wines that I love. (laughs) Uh, And so I decided to go back to an oldie but goodie today. So Abstract is a California red wine. My particular year that I'm drinking today is 2018 very full-bodied wine, uh, very fruity jam, blackberry, a little bit of tobacco maybe, some really good flavors. And I have a one quick cool story about Abstract. So we went to an Orrin Swift wine tasting at a restaurant uh, out in the Cleveland area called Nemo's. And we entered a raffle uh, and they were giving away. So the abstract label, for those of you who haven't seen it yet, is abstract art of all these little pictures of people's faces and things like that, but all kind of mushed together. And uh, they were giving away a skateboard that has the abstract label and we won it. And that's like the only, there's only, I think, four skateboards in the entire world and we want it. So that's pretty cool. So we have it at our on our wine bar downstairs. <laughs> and I have a picture of it because I had to show it to my husband who is a skateboarder still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's what um, I'm drinking tonight. Yeah. What about uh what about you, Trish? What you drinking? Well, I am drinking a blueberry kombucha. <laughs> <laughs> So I am uh, about to make a trip as soon as we are done recording this episode. So I figured wine, very, very bad idea before doing that. Um, But I did want to talk about one. um, And Julie, I know I mentioned this one to you when I tried it, uh, the Soldo Zinfandel. I am a huge, huge Red Zin fan. And I was, um, where was I? Kansas City Airport in the Delta Club and the bartender there recommended it and I wanted to fall off my stool. I was so excited. Uh, delicious. I was able to feel out the chocolate 
flavors and like maybe some clove or cinnamon or something like that. And so I had to look it up. Um, oh, definitely the cherry. And then I looked it up and it said bold aromas of black licorice, black pepper, cherry, and baking spice. Well, mm. I don't have a clue what baking spice is, so I had to look it up. And it is that clove, cinnamon, nutmeg kind of stuff. So, yeah. And then here's my here's my favorite part about the description. The finish is voluptuous with soft, velvety tannins. Pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> yeah, good. So it is that, one I would, if you are a fan of Red Zins, highly recommend this one. And that's by the Prisoner Company, isn't it? That is correct, it is. Which used to be part of Orrin Swift, but Prisoner was so popular that they split off. I was reading something about a spinoff, but I didn't realize. Well, look at that. Yep, Prisoner was the wine at my wedding, so uh, another one of my faves. And uh, Mannequin, which is also an Orrin Swift, I often describe as velvety, so there you go. Lots of good wines in that from that winery, for sure. I am just, I am sorry that you aren't drinking, but I applaud you being responsible before you get on the road. And all I can say is I am thrilled to death that I am no longer on this detox and I can have wine again. So (laughs) cheers to me. (laughs) Cheers to you. Okay, so now to the W-H-I-N-E of the episode. There are many disadvantages to the annual review, and we're going to talk about some of them in a moment. Uh, Trish, which one do you want to start with? I think I want to start with infrequency, especially because you've already said it a couple of times, which is that these reviews only happen once a year, which means that your employees aren't getting the feedback in real time, which is one of my um, probably biggest pet peeves. You are in, say, November, December, and you're sitting down for your review and your manager says to you, something about a mistake or a misperformance that you had back in February, March. And that's what they focus on for the review. Instead of focusing on how you've improved since then or all of the amazing things that you've done since then. And it it really makes it difficult for employees to even feel like they're getting a fair shake or that they're being heard, um, that anything that they've done since that one incident um, has been recognized. So for me, that is probably um, one of my least favorite parts about a review process, especially the annual reviews. You're very right on that. You made a lot of good points. One more thing on the infrequency that's important, and I know you talked about this in several of our last episodes, but particularly for those jobs that require a lot of soft skills or a lot of knowledge-based learning where there's a a steep learning curve. So for example, lawyers, uh, you know, when we first start out lawyering, we know nothing. (laughs) we, we We need a lot of guidance and a lot of feedback, and we often don't get that. And so the if you're only doing that once a year, you're missing a lot of opportunities to get people up to speed faster, which is better both for them and for the organization and to course correct them earlier if they are doing something that's sort of going off track. Ooh, I like that. The second disadvantage I want to talk about is bias, which you know, we just had two episodes <laughs> on implicit bias. So your favorite. Uh, you should be, yeah, she should be well versed in that by now. Uh, But with performance reviews in particular, it's hard for managers not to be biased when they're completing them. Uh, Because again, we're human and that is always operating in the back of our mind, whether we're 
conscious of it or not at that particular point in time, but this is an area where it can very easily sneak in. And I was uh, looking at another SHRM article out of that same spring 2023 episode as the article about belonging that we mentioned multiple times. And this quote stuck out at me. Uh, So it's by Marcus Buckingham, who is the head of people and performance research at a Roseland, New Jersey-based ADP Research Institute. And he said, every single human alive today is a horribly unreliable raider of other human beings. <laughs> and uh, yes, it made me laugh, but I also was like, yeah, that's true, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and he talks about like how some of the things we ask people are, you know, like, oh, we ask them to rate somebody on their strategic thinking or their leadership potential. And it's all hogwash. Like, who can actually do that? No, it's impossible. Right. And there have been studies that have shown that men generally tend to be evaluated based on their potential, where women are evaluated based on what they've actually done. And because potential is so subjective, there can be some gender bias in reviews, which again is not intentional or malicious, but it is something, it is one of the faults and one of the challenges that we face, particularly with annual reviews or reviews that are particularly rigid uh, and don't allow for the most objective tracking. You know, those ones that are much more subjective and based on some of those sort of nebulous terms can be really hard for uh, managers to do them objectively and fairly. You know, Jules, there was uh, another article that Sherm just put out recently that included that exact same quote. Um, And so I think that that's really something that people need to focus on is that we really are unreliable. We do. I mean, we all have these biases. Even if we're aware of them, we still have them. And I think that when people call themselves out on it and are aware of it before they start those reviews, it could end up having, um, oh, wait, here, this gets me into my next thing, accuracy. It could be more (laughs) accurate. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So um, because I was talking about infrequency, uh, I started thinking about inaccuracy as well. And so I want to talk about both inaccuracy and lack of context. Because those reviews are so infrequent, the performance is what is the memory of the manager, not actually what happened. You're asking them to recall what one of their, what we don't manage just five or seven people anymore, right? What are we up to? 20, 30, 40 per person. How do you expect to remember what each person did throughout an entire year? You can't do that, especially if you're managing that many people. So what you focus on instead of the actual performance might be the outcome. And that outcome may not have been a reflection of that performance because it might have been part of the group. It could have been from any other factors, or it could just be you had higher expectations or you had different expectations. And so then that person ends up suffering for it. Also, kind of like I said, going along those exact same lines, we don't know if we don't ask our employees 
what's happening in their lives. You know me, I love my soft skills and I love communication. If we're not talking to our employees, if we're not asking them what is happening, trying to get this great rapport, we're not going to have context for the performance. Maybe something was going on at that point. Maybe they had some sort of a challenge. But if we don't take that into account, if we don't talk to our employees and get to know about the challenges, and I'm not saying that because they're having uh, difficulties, we want to throw out our performance measures. That's not what I'm saying. But there is time when you can say, okay, maybe we need to modify these a little bit and maybe look at this a little little differently. So that's, I would say, another big boo-hoo to those. (laughs) 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 Boo-hoo. Hey, it is wine with HR after all. Yes. Yes. Oh, nice. Nice play. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And I think that it can be very demotivating for employees when they feel like all that their managers are focusing on are those past mistakes and taking them out of context. So I remember I had a review once while I was at my law firm, and it was one of those things where the person reviewing me even acknowledged the extenuating circumstances that were going on. So we had had like several people in our department quit and I had two summary judgment briefs and appellate brief and something else all due on the same day, which is way too much work for anyone. I think I remember this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, you know, all of them were at least 50 pages long and I was scrambling to get them done. And one of them was it wasn't late, like for filing. I just didn't. Normally I got things to everybody at least a week ahead of time. And, you know, and <laughs> this particular, I couldn't, I couldn't get it all done in that sort of time frame. And so in my review, he wrote, Julie basically wasn't as timely as usual, uh, but it was because we had uh, two people quit and she took on extra work. And I was like, then why'd you say it? Yeah. How about making that a positive? (laughs) Right, right. Like, why'd you ding me for it? You know, when it was, you clearly knew what was going on and there were extenuating circumstances. So it can be really, it can feel really demotivating to employees when that happens. The other thing that I was thinking about when you were talking about lack of context and the inaccuracy, which goes along with the demotivation is You know, I I spent all day yesterday and uh, the Thursday of the week before at the Northern Ohio Human Resource Conference. And one of the big themes, oh, and yes, I did present on forgetting how to human. Congratulations. uh, I hear it's awesome. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Uh, But one of the things, like running themes throughout the conference was how we have lost the sense of connection with one another and how employees are feeling that more and more and they want their managers and their HR folks to connect with them on a personal level. So we used to keep all the personal stuff outside of work and say, you know, don't bring it to work with you. But we can't do that anymore. COVID kind of changed all of that. And so we have to take the whole person and what is going on in their lives and we have to connect with them and take that into account. And when we don't do that, it does demoralize employees because they feel like they are just a number and that you're not seeing them as a whole individual in all the ways in which they're contributing. So I think that, again, that sort of goes back to this demotivation or 
demoralization when reviews focus only on what was done wrong and they don't focus on how has this person been successful and how are they going to continue to be successful, then it can cause a lot of employees to disengage and eventually leave. Keeping the human in human resources, isn't yes. that like a huge theme right now? Yes. Uh, I actually had someone from one of my courses that I taught reach out to me yesterday. And one of the things she said to me was, thank you for keeping the human in your trainings, reminding us about our humanity. And because people do, as as you and I both love to say, people forget how to human. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, that is, I would say, probably one of the most difficult things that we can overcome right now uh, as we're trying to reach out to one another and we're trying to figure out where we're going in this new world that we're navigating this. And I don't just mean like outside of work, inside of work too, right? Everything inside of work has changed yet again. <laughs> and so we we need to figure out where to go. And, and you are 100% correct when you say it's going to be our employees that are, are leading the way because they are the ones who are saying, we want this. We want to have that connection, which reminds me, since you were talking about demotivation, how demotivating are forced rankings? Oh, yeah. Are they just like the worst? Yeah, you might have to explain exactly what that is, because I have to admit when I first heard the term, I wasn't sure. And then I realized, oh, it's like grading on a curve in law school. That's exactly what it is. Where they only give out so many A's. Yeah, which was yes. really frustrating. Because if I did A work, I wanted the A. Right. <laughs> and that's exactly what it is. It's grading on a curve. And and there, um, I was actually reading an article yesterday where they were talking about someone who was a manager and he was told to change his employee's number because it was going to mess up the curve. He quit. Yeah, that was with uh, uh, Blizzard Action or um, that the gaming site that got into all sorts of trouble a yeah, couple yeah. years ago for sexual harassment and all oh, sorts of other things. Of but yes, this was just another thing that that uh, they got you know the spotlight on them for. So yeah, from what I have seen, when we have a collaborative environment or a team environment, then people tend to work better and they succeed, uh, I would say, on a, on a much, much higher level. Whereas if you create that kind of a competitive atmosphere, no one's going to succeed because they're going to be hiding things from each other and it, they're not going to be sharing things. If you're not sharing, you're not growing, you're not learning, you're not moving forward, right? Yeah. They're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> well, and as I said before, really, in almost every company I've ever worked with, everybody hates them. You know, uh, managers don't want to do them. Oftentimes they don't have the time to do them. I think, Trish, you were talking about an example where it was taking the managers something like five weeks in real time to complete reviews at five weeks out of the year. I mean, that's just crazy. You can't expect people to do something that requires that much time. Yeah, when it's can you coupled imagine? With, no, and especially when it's coupled <laughs> with everything we've been talking about, where they're trying to remember what this person did for the last 12 months. You know, most of us can't remember yeah. what we ate for dinner last night. So how are nope. we supposed to remember what an employee did in January or February, you know? So nobody likes them. 
So of course, now we want to move into, okay, so we've established performance reviews, particularly annual reviews are no bueno. So let's start talking about some of the things that we can do differently. Uh, So the first thing, uh, you know, this one I seem to say a lot, but be honest and have the tough conversations. And I think another thing I would say is, I think we need to start reframing how we think about performance evaluations because just the fact that I said that shows that we tend to view them as negative, that they are usually negative and that usually we are telling people what they did wrong. Uh, And so what we should be focusing on, as I mentioned before, is what have they done right? What have they done well Where have they grown? So to Trisha's point, maybe there was something in the last quarter or the last year or whatever that didn't go so well, but maybe they learned from it and maybe they changed how they did things and you've seen vast improvement. Focus on the improvement. Exactly. You know, if you have to have those tough conversations, you want to have those tough conversations. You certainly want to have them more than once a year. But we also want to make sure that we are giving people credit where credit is due. Because one of the things we hear from repeatedly from employees is that they're, they're never given good feedback. They're never told when they're doing things right. At, uh, you know, it was pretty common at one of my law firms where you were just told, well, if you're not, if nobody's telling you you're doing a bad job, then you're in good shape. Okay. It's well, ridiculous. being a lawyer <laughs> is a thankless job. Nobody wants to hire you. Nobody wants, they're, they're pissed off that they had to. They're pissed off that you keep bugging them for documents and other <laughs> things. And then they have to pay a really big bill at the end of it. So there's nothing about this that clients like. So they're not gonna be giving you the good kudos, you know, like, yeah, job well done. So you're not getting it from anywhere. And what is to keep you working those 90 hour weeks and weekends and answering your phone at all hours? Not much. So. We really need to remember people need to hear the good stuff. They need to hear what they're doing well, and they need to know that their managers and their HR people care about their development and their future in the company. I am loving that, and I am (laughs) going to pick right off where you left off because it was perfect and you got me thinking about your employees' potential. How about focusing on your employees' potential? They do have this ability to grow. I mean, maybe even right now, it's one of your employees that isn't performing as highly as you would like at the moment. But could they then, with maybe some growth and development, get a plan together? Could they, if you did that, become a high-performing employee? Kind of going along with what Julie said. Also, most of our employees are motivated by learning opportunities and that potential for advancement. I've said the stat before, I don't have it in front of me right now, but it's somewhere around 85 or 88% of employees say that they would stay somewhere where they didn't make as much money if they were offered growth and education opportunities. I mean, that's mind blowing. Whether I'm, you know, whether it's the low 80s, middle 80s, or upper 80s, it's it's a huge percentage. So I, I think that that's something that everyone needs to remember. And then 
I have another thing because, you know, I love my stats and stories, if I can go along with that. (laughs) Of course. You and I both love Harvard Business Review. We talk about it and some of the articles in there quite often. And in one of my favorite studies that they meant they discussed in in one of uh, their articles, I think it was like a 2016 article, it said that it was by an advisory service, CEB. And CEB said that the average manager reported spending the 210 hours. This is what Julie was talking about when she was mentioning the five weeks. I just wanted everybody, if they wanted to be able to look at it, to go see it. Um, I thought this was a perfect place to kind of expand on what you said. So five weeks, 210 hours. Can you imagine if you spent even half of that time developing your employees? People say, oh, I don't have time to meet. I don't have time to meet. Well, guess what? Turns out you do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And if you met, you wouldn't need five weeks to do the reviews. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We got this all figured out. Yep. (laughs) Well, and going along with what you just said with the potential, one of the things that can be really helpful is to have, you know, we haven't gotten into the nitty gritty of what some alternative uh, formats are for reviews, but if you have an opportunity at the beginning of the year to have your employees set goals, let them pick the goals. I mean, you can work with them and you can, you know, have a meeting where you go over them together and kind of craft them for what will work, but then you can set some objective benchmarks and then they know what they're supposed to hit and the expectations are really clear. And then that gives you an easy way to have several other touch points with them throughout the year. But it builds on that potential because it is focused on, okay, how are you going to move forward this year? And we see potential in you. So let's shoot for some things that make you stretch a little bit. You know, we have confidence that you can do that. And then you get to have more conversations about that as you check in with them uh, to see how things are progressing. So I think that's an important piece of things as well. Absolutely. There were some really helpful tips in that uh, same SHRM article. It was called Performance Reviews Are Broken. Again, it's in the spring 2023 HR magazine, similar to some of the things we've already been talking about, but I thought this one was really helpful too. So explain how each employee's position as well as each department fits into the company's overall strategy. So I think oftentimes we don't take the time to explain to employees what their role is in the bigger picture, and oftentimes that can help them. And I think it's also a nice way to validate those folks who may have more of a repetitive position and maybe not a a leadership position, you know, the ones where people tend to feel like they're just a cog in the wheel and they could be replaced by anybody. So explaining to them how they fit within the department and maybe focusing on a few of their strengths, like you always do such a good job of training everybody who comes in and this is why you're, you know, you're so important to the company. So it gives you another opportunity to kind of show them their value and how it fits within the bigger picture uh, where they might not necessarily be able to see that for themselves. I love that one. (laughs) <laughs> you know me, I love I love all that touchy-feely, as everybody calls it. <laughs> that touchy-feely stuff that she does yes. over there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I, I'm sorry, Trish, I, uh, oh, go because ahead, I, got, go I got a little off tangent there, but uh, I also wanted to go <laughs> back to that. the- We're good at that. Yeah, yes, I know. I wanted to go back to the bias for a second. 
And I wanted to talk about two specific kinds of bias that can come up, particularly with performance reviews. So the first one is proximity bias. And this was interesting because this is something we talked about at the uh, Northern Ohio Human Resource Conference, or NORC for short as well. But proximity bias, especially within companies that now have a lot of remote or hybrid workers, there is a proximity bias for managers who see with the employees that they see all the time. They tend to forget about the ones that are working remotely. And there is a bias that comes up where people tend to believe that people who work remotely are not working as hard or that they're sort of slack, you know, slacking off. So that's oh, one, yeah. one bias to be really careful of. And then the other one, which we've already talked about a little bit, is recency bias, which is you remember what the employee has done most recently and not all the things that they have done uh, in the past. And that can be both for better or for worse. Because sometimes, you know, you have employees who are pretty savvy and they're like, oh, well, reviews happen in December. So come (laughs) October, all of a sudden, they're the best employee that ever existed. And then, you know, in January, they're back to being slacker, you know, Um, and, you know, or you have somebody who maybe did really, really well the first six months of the year and then had some personal challenges or some other stuff going on where they didn't do as well the rest of the year, but because our memories aren't great, we only remember what recently happened. So we always want to be careful about those types of biases. And of course, doing training to educate managers or remind them, refresh their memories about how bias works every year is always a good thing to do when it comes to performance evaluations. I love that you mentioned both of those because I think they really do impact. I actually had a little note on on my notes that I had prepped for our talk today, because I think that there are so many of us or so many companies who are not used to dealing with remote employees. So that proximity bias, especially, I think is going to play a huge, huge factor, Um, especially when you think about the fact that according to the statistics, it's women and those who have typically been disadvantaged, they're the ones who are wanting to still stay home. And so guess what? That uh, wage gap is going to grow again if we're not aware of that proximity bias. So I think that's, uh, I'm really glad that you brought that one up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Something else you brought up that I loved, uh, you talked about frequent touch points. One of the other ways I think you can do this is just to do short-term goals. The way that our jobs are set up these days or the way that um, industry works these days, you have to be ready to turn on a dime. And so by focusing more on short-term goals, we can give our employees that real-time feedback. They get to incorporate it when they start to their next one. If they have to pivot quickly, they've got that feedback and then they can move forward. And Honestly and truly, if you don't have your employees prepared, if they're not ready to change and adapt either their goals or their methods of thinking, you're not going to succeed as a company. You won't be as innovative as those companies that do that. So in order to keep your company moving in the right direction, in order to keep your employees moving in the right direction, you know, these frequent check-ins, these touch points, as you mentioned, or short-term goals, I think would be a really great idea, especially for those companies out there that are listening that um, have these like, oh, we have to change on a dime all the time and go in a different direction. I think that's great. 
advice. And I think it's so important to, one of the other things that I think is really important to remember is there is no right or wrong answer as to how performance reviews should be done. And quite frankly, I want to stop calling them that because it really has a negative connotation. But I think they could be called success reviews or, you know, success checkpoints or uh, career progression meetings, you know, whatever, whatever sounds more positive. So you can figure out what might work in your particular organization, but it can also be different for different departments within an organization. So if you have uh, departments that are very project heavy, like Adobe, Adobe had a huge problem. They did, I think they did forced rankings or if not, they did something similar. But they yeah. were having like a mass exodus after annual reviews every year, voluntary mass exodus, because people felt like they were just very backward looking and punitive. And so that was like they 2011, started, right? Yep. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So they started doing project based reviews and they're more frequent. And so for many companies, that works really well. You know, particularly again, it's often those service based industries like marketing law firms, accounting firms, like that kind of stuff where you have specific projects. If you can do it after every project, that's great because then you can sort of do the what went well, what could we do better, you know, et cetera, et cetera. For other ones, it might be quarterly. For other ones, it and, and you can make them so much shorter. That's the other nice thing. Usually annual reviews are uh, pretty long and painful uh, and require <laughs> uh, a lot of time. And so if you do these more like quarterly checkpoints, they could be 15, 20 minutes. It really shouldn't take more than that, you know, unless unless you want to have a more in-depth conversation and that's fine. But then you can also do it based on the job. Like if you have people who are in really repetitive positions where they're, you know, like they're a press operator and they're, you know, just operating the press all day, well, they probably don't need as frequent reviews as somebody who, again, has a steep learning curve. But they still need touch points because they still need to know that they're valued. And you can have different questions like, you know, what do you need? How can we better support you? Do you have everything that you need to do your job? Uh, Are you frustrated by anything? You know, they can be super simple questions. One of the questions I like the most is from a manager's perspective, when you're looking at your employees, the one that I'm going to say is going to be project-based, but you could adapt it. But say, does did this person bring value or did they make it harder? Because oh. that captures the performance issue too. So did they help or did they hinder? And if they hindered, how did they hinder? And a lot of times that will get at, okay, well, they might be good at their job, but they were toxic and they, they caused a lot of drama and they disrupted everything. Or if they helped, it might be, you know what, this person, no matter what I needed done, they jumped on it and did it. You know, so I think like if you can narrow it down to four or five questions that just really get to the heart of the matter, would I want this on my person, this person on my team moving forward? Did they help or did they hinder? One of the ones I think Deloitte uses this that I've always really liked is if it were my money, would I give this person a bonus, right? (laughs) So making you think about it a little differently. It's not the company's (laughs) money. It's not monopoly money. If it were your own money, you know, would you you give this person a bonus? So I think like if you can crystallize it into four or five questions that really get to the heart of whatever your company's values are and what makes your company tick, then 
they can actually be a really positive conversation that employees will look forward to. I also want to point out that a lot of those things that you just talked about were behaviorals. That Mm -hmm. is one of the things that we unfortunately don't see on a lot of performance reviews, especially for your managers and for everyone, but especially your managers, you have to have those behaviorals on there. If you say that this is a value of your company and you're not measuring it when you're doing performance, I'm sorry, I don't believe it's a value. Well, and there was, in this SHRM article, there was somebody who talked about that. I forget what company it was for. I'm going to try to look it up real quick while I'm while we're talking about this. But they said, you know, we've talked about this before, but when you have like a high performer, sometimes you overlook bad behavior. Yes. Because you want to keep basking in the benefits that they are providing. I remember this part of the article. Right? Yes. And so I'm trying to find out which company it was. While Julie's looking that up, let me just throw you guys another stat. Less than 20% of employees feel inspired by their reviews and disengaged employees cost U.S. companies $1.6 trillion dollars per year, according to Gallup. That's also from that same article. So just wanted to throw that out there while Julie was trying to find her point. Uh, I think that's an incredibly large number. Yeah. 1.6 trillion because your employees are disengaged. Yes. Uh, It's white box real estate. And the president and co-founder Grant Pruitt said that, you know, integrity was one of their core values and they overlooked it a couple of times because they had really high performers. And eventually they ended up having to let those people go and it ended up costing them a bunch of money. So bit them in the butt. Yes. Yes. As Trisha said, and (laughs) I think we've said this before, if you have core values and they're not in your review process or your evaluation process, if you don't make your employees live them and breathe them, then they aren't really your core values. So they should be the thing you fall back on the most. I'm looking for my gavel from law school. (laughs) I'm looking for my gavel. I totally wanted to hit it right then. It was like the perfect time. It's up on my shelf somewhere. I can't reach it, but I wanted to bang it like, absolutely. (laughs) Yes, Yes. All right. So Julie, I want you, if you will do me a favor for everyone, talk about the importance of documentation and why from a legal perspective, this can really help everyone out. Would you do that for me, please? Of course, (laughs) of course. This does apply more to those situations where performance is an issue and where you may be realizing that perhaps this employee is not going to make it. So you do need to document things from a legal perspective because if it isn't documented, then it didn't happen. So uh, if you don't have a written document showing that you had a conversation with the employee, that you told them what they were doing wrong and where they needed to improve, and then you want to terminate them, you run the risk of if they file a lawsuit, which happens more frequently than you might think, (laughs) uh, then you're going to have to it's your word against theirs that you actually told them what you say you told them. So it's best to write it down. It's also very helpful in situations where employees are doing well 
to write it down because again, our memories suck. So even if you're meeting with an employee quarterly, you want to write down what you say during that meeting, what they said their goals were, what they said they'd gotten to. So the next time you don't have to rehash it, you've already got it written down and you can better track their progress. But either way, whether it's, you know, because they're doing well or because they're not doing so well, you want to document it. And then if there are problems down the line, you've got your documentation to show what you did and how many chances you gave that employee. I love it. I love it. We um, have been talking for quite a while. So real quick, I want to give you guys a summary. We just threw a bunch of information at you, um, starting with, it's not just about annual reviews, right? You heard Julie say quarterly. You heard her say frequent check-ins. You've, I've heard of people doing monthly. I've heard of weekly or even bi-weekly. You do what is best for your organization. No one else knows. That's the first thing. Second, move to more frequent conversations like we were just talking about that focus on development of your employees. Rely on those short-term goals or touch-ins to keep your employees and the company moving in the right direction. Create a culture of continuous feedback and be honest, please. (laughs) If you are still using a rating system, make sure that you train your managers and your employees um, on how to properly use it. And of course, remember about your bias training. It's an absolute must, especially right before you're going. And again, especially if you're doing those once a year, drop a bomb (laughs) on your employees type of review. And then lastly, going with it, what Jules just said, document, document, document. What do you think, Jules? Pretty good summary? Very good summary. The only thing I would add to it is and we've said this a couple of times, but make the process as simple as possible. So when you are considering revamping your performance or success management program, involve the people who are going to be doing it. So you don't want to come up with something in the C-suite level or in HR all in a vacuum and then go to the managers and the managers are like, never going to work. So get them involved in the process, because if you get from them what's going to work, then you have a better chance of it actually being successful. And I would say not just managers, but maybe talking to employees as well and see what they would like to see. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's awesome. So, Julie, tell me about your wine. Oh, it's (laughs) lovely. I mean, what can I say? It's it's one of my favorites. It just gets better the more you drink. Now, I know most wines do, but this one actually... I was just actually, about to say that. <laughs> actually, you can start to taste more of the flavors. So it's just a very nice, nice full-bodied wine. 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 Yeah. I ha- I presented for two hours yesterday. I'm just tired of talking. I'm losing my ability to form words. That's okay. You have, you have an absolute excuse. <laughs> well, no. uh, a quick yep. shout out to everyone that started listening to us. Um, I know that you said that some people were going to start following yeah. us after that. So uh, hello to all of you. I'm very sad I didn't get to meet you, but um, hopefully one of these days soon, I'll be able to get down there and see you all at one of these conferences. They sound amazing. Yeah. So check out our show notes because we have put in some information about some upcoming trainings. If you want to catch either uh, myself or Trisha live for a training. Mm -hmm. So make sure you check out those show notes. Also, as always, send us your wine recommendations. 
And if you have any questions or any suggestions for topics, please feel free to send us those as well. Otherwise, subscribe to Wine with HR wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening and cheers. Cheers. Till next time. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.